Vegas Nation, sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. Download the app and get a bonus up to $100 when you sign up. Sports, entertainment, little to no culture. It's time for Unsportsmanlike Conduct with Ed Graney and Adam Hill. Welcome into Unsportsmanlike Conduct of the Vegas Nation, sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports and presented by the Las Vegas Review-Journal, Blue Wire, and Liquid Death. We're your hosts, Ed Graney and Adam Hill, and we're here each week to give you our thoughts on the Las Vegas Raiders. Before entering the world of news and topics we find interesting, here we go. Uh, well, I was not in New Orleans. You were, Adam. Uh, kind of glad I wasn't, and yet I'm kind of um, upset that I, I I didn't make the trip um, just to see that debacle. Uh, first thing I wanted to ask you, because it was such you know poor performance on all levels, I always think it's interesting when media um, kind of tries to get in the heads of players and coaches in terms of effort and interest. Um, you know, sometimes we make assumptions on that end. Did you see anything uh, or could you tell anything in terms of the overall effort of the Raiders, their mindset as it got worse and worse throughout the game? And could you draw any conclusions on anything in terms of what happened in 24-0 when it comes to that? I mean, certainly not live. Like as you're sitting there, you're just – you're just kind of wondering what is happening. Like I, it was, it's so crazy to think that there's so many things that went wrong that, you know, usually after a game, there's one or two plays and you say, Hey, this was, this was really where the game could have turned. And, you know, if they would have executed this, this would have gone differently. Um, I was trying to assess, you know, as I'm sitting there trying to think of what to write, like, okay, what did they do wrong today? And it was, well, they didn't block well, they didn't pass well, they didn't, run the ball particularly well though you know the running game actually the numbers in the end were fine for the amount of attempts they had 10 carries 43 yards more than four yards in attempt but didn't get to do it often um they didn't tackle they didn't cover uh they the defensive line got just absolutely mauled uh, max crosby had the first first game uh in 28 just nearly two full seasons where he didn't record a quarterback pressure and you say well they must have really you know, focused on him. Well, he was, he was only double teamed seven times in the game. So Ryan Ramchek basically just owned him uh, in that game. So it was, you know, anything that could go wrong, went wrong. Nothing, nothing worked. And even the guys that you count on as being absolutely reliable, hands down stars, every single game, you know, Devontae Adams had one catch for three yards. And a lot of that is, you know, the blocking and the, and the throws, but, he dropped a pass downfield when, you know, well covered, but he had to fight, fight his way back. And he had a, a chance to make a catch and he didn't. Uh, there was another catch that they ruled him out of bounds. That was a, a pretty long reception, but I still think it was a catch, but there wasn't an angle that showed that. Um, and then he only had the one catch for three yards and the one carry for negative two yards. And uh, so, you know, even the guys that you thought are going to be reliable, no matter what, it just didn't go that way. So I, I don't, you know, I think it's tough to put a finger on it, but I think it's why you start to lead the speculation of what well, was, you know, were, were you guys not interested? Did something happen? Um, all of those things. But it could just be one of those performances where everybody just comes out and everyone's flat. And and I think the expectations were soaring after they'd won two out of three and looked like they'd been playing their best football and the running game was going. And um, it, it seemed like they were just going to show up and kind of win some of these games. And I think they quickly realized it's not. Now the one, the one person that kind of, you know, actually said anything about what could have gone wrong. Um, and it was generic, but it was at least a, a, a description. And you can always count on him to tell you kind of what's going on is Josh Jacobs, who, you know, I waited after the game to talk to him. And he said, 
very early on, like first couple of plays, you just kind of looked around the sideline and said, why does nobody have any energy? Like, what is going on? And he said, a couple of guys tried to, you know, go rah-rah and say, let's go and get fired up. And he just said, that's not, you know, that doesn't happen at this level. You can't just give a speech or you can't tell everybody to get some energy. He said, usually what has to happen is somebody just has to make a big play. Either, you know, he breaks a tackle and runs one long or, you know, Derek Carr escapes in the pocket and finds somebody downfield or Devontae Adams makes a catch on the sideline or, uh, you know, somebody makes a big hit in the backfield, a sack, a forced fumble, a turnover. Like somebody just needs to make a big play and that gets everybody going much more than a speech potentially could. And according to Josh, he just said, nobody ever made a play. He's like, you go back and look, did anybody ever just step up and make a play? It just didn't happen. And he wasn't putting that on everybody. He said himself as well, but you know, that that's true. It just never happened. There never was a play that kind of changed the momentum or got the energy going. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, I guess maybe the coaches could have seen something coming. I don't know if the players could see something coming. It's not like they didn't watch film. It's not like they didn't practice. It's not like they didn't prepare. I'm sure they went through a normal week like they always do. And maybe maybe this is just a one-off, right? I mean, they better, well, they better hope it's a one-off because if not, this season's going to go really bad, really fast, starting with Jacksonville on Sunday. Maybe this is just something that happened on a given day and, and it won't happen again. I don't think they're going to get shut out in Jacksonville. Um, but I think, they, I think it's a lesson learned that they better show up on Sunday um, or they will lose again. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess best case scenario, it was just, you know, like you, you were saying, it's one day. It's really inexplainable about how these things happen in professional sports, but they do. Uh, and it, and it happened to them on Sunday and it was, it was not a good look. Yeah, for sure. And, and I guess if you, I mean, if look, I know what people think about excuses and that sort of thing. And sometimes excuses are actually just reasons and they, they actually do explain things. So I'm, I'm not, offering them an excuse when I say this, and I'm sure people get frustrated hearing it, but I will say um, I was around the locker room every day last week in, you know, at the practice facility. And there was a lot of guys that were sick. Like they were battling something and they were dealing with something. And I know Devonta Adams missed a couple of days of practice and a couple other guys weren't able to practice a few days. Most of the guys were able to practice through it because it wasn't too severe necessarily, but anybody that's been sick kind of knows like the, the energy level is kind of tough to get back. And could that have been kind of just, you know, explaining the the Josh Jacobs theory of, hey, there just wasn't energy and nobody could get going. He never mentioned that. He never said, hey, we were sick. And, you know, that's just what happened. But I'm just kind of putting the pieces together because, look, it was the effort. <laughs> I shouldn't say effort. The results were inexplicable. There's nothing to explain. Nothing. Nobody saw that coming. Nobody expected that could happen. Could they have lost? Yes. Could they have get dominated in that way? No. And I guess you also have to give New Orleans a little bit of a credit as well. I know a couple of national analysts that I was listening to on a podcast this week were saying that New Orleans is one of the most baffling teams in the league in that they seem to get fired up occasionally and just do this. And last year it happened uh, against the the Bucks, a lot of people remember that game. It was a a Sunday night football game. I think it was Sunday night. It was a primetime game, and they came out and absolutely just dominated the Bucks. They shut them out, just like they did to the Raiders. And it was kind of a similar situation where the the Saints were for some reason motivated and decided that was the week they were going to step up and play. You know, Marshall Lattimore, who obviously wasn't there, but Marshall Lattimore, the the corner for the Saints has like three great games a year, two of them against Mike Evans, who he just doesn't like. Uh, right. And then he picks like another game and just dominates. And, and a, the team, I guess, 
may be similar to that and that every once in a while they get fired up. And was it the fact that they were playing for Dennis Allen? Who knows? Uh, but they gave their best effort. They they played out of their minds and the Raiders didn't match the effort and the intensity. And sometimes that, that happens when you don't do that. If you can think of one area, um, and I'm like you said, they didn't do anything well at all, but where the breakdowns came from and then led to other breakdowns, would it be the offensive line? Yeah, but I mean the line, the line wasn't good, but they would. It's not like they completely fell apart. I, I would say, and I thought watching the watching the game live, absolutely, I thought it was the offensive line. Now that I've watched it like four times, and yes, I put myself myself through that. It's a uh, it's 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 a horror film. Um, kind of rotating between watching that and Dahmer, like that's sure. kind of a similar, sort of similar. Yeah, it's a, yeah, you're on to Dahmer. <laughs> similar theme. Um, yeah, it, like it's it's tough to watch it, but the offensive line doesn't come off as bad in the rewatchings as it did live. Um, I, I'll say the offensive line of the Saints completely dominating the Raiders front was a big story for sure. Uh, the Raiders' inability to cover Alvin Kamara out of the backfield, a big story. And by the way, that could be big this week, too, because Travis Etienne, a very good receiver out of the backfield. Right. Uh, but my, right. my number my number one thing, and this is what I'm writing for uh, the advance uh, for the Jaguars game, how horrific the Raiders were on first down offensively. And it was it, – it's not like there's a – you know, they tried to run every time, but they tried to pass every time. It was a pretty even split. I think it was almost exactly even between runs and pass attempts. Uh, there was two penalties, but really they just did nothing on first down. 21 first down plays in the game. They gained a total of 25 yards. Wow. That's in, that's, that's embarrassing. That's, that's almost impossible to do. It is. And it's the, it's the lowest, uh, the 1.19 points per play on first down, the lowest they've had in a game since 1998. Uh, when in a game, but by the way, they actually won that game in 1998, seven to six somehow. Uh, <laughs> but w- when you do nothing on first down, it puts you in disan- disadvantageous positions for second down and potentially third down. And Josh McDaniels uh, made a comment the other day, and I looked this up last night. Uh, in as I uh, as I watched the t- watched the film back again last night, uh, he said there was 12 different plays where they had they were trying to get 13 or more yards on a second or a third down. Yeah. So, that's that's, you can't win games that way. Yeah. You can't do that. And then, and also when your offensive line struggles in pass protection and you're in, you know, you're in a mode where you have to pass because it's second and third and long, you know, they're going to, they're going to have some trouble. In, and I think you saw that show up as well. So I think the lack of success on first down to me was the biggest issue uh, in the game. And now you can say, well, why didn't they have success in first down? It was play calling. It was running. It was passing. It was protection. It was, I mean, it was everything, everything, everything contributed to that lack of success, but you've got to pick up yards on first down. You have to, and they just didn't. Locals know the STN sports app is the most trusted sports betting app in Nevada. They have convenient sign up locations across Las Vegas. So download the STN sports app today. You may start noticing there are strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, it's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called Liquid Death. And it's available in still, sparkling, and three other flavors. Why is this water called Liquid Death? Well, basically, it'll brutally murder your thirst, and their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. 
Aluminum is infinitely recyclable and can actually be profitable for recycling facilities. One day I was at work in the cafeteria and saw the Las Vegas Review Journal was carrying liquid death in the vending machine. So I sat drinking one at work while eating my tacos just to fake my coworkers out and make them think I was having an icy cold tall boy with lunch. Go get liquid death at your local Smith's, Walmart, Sprouts, or find a liquid death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash Vegas Nation. That's liquiddeath.com slash Vegas Nation. Dave Ziegler, the GM, talked to the media that are in, in Florida. There's three media members there, uh, including our own Vinny Bonsignor in Florida, waiting for the Jacksonville game. Dave Ziegler talked to them yesterday. Um, I I found it interesting, and yet I didn't as much when I saw what Dave Ziegler's quotes were in terms of building for the future, looking long term, evaluating things in the first uh, first year. To me, that's what a guy says when he's two and five. Um, you know, they gave Derek Carr the extension. They gave up picks and gave Adams the money. They gave Crosby the money. They gave Renfro the money. They gave Waller the money. I think if you're five and two, the message is different. I think this is what you say when you're two and five and things are not going as well as you have. This is not a rebuilding team, or at least they didn't act like it was a rebuilding team in the offseason and all, all the money they gave out. So what, what did you think of his comments in terms of we're evaluating and this is a long-term issue and, um, you know, we're in it for the long-term uh, to me, it just came off as something a guy who's two and five would say. Ed, you've got to make this podcast more hip. They didn't give them the money. They gave them the bag. Oh, the bag. The bag. Yes, the bag. Yeah. Yeah. They gave yeah, them the, the bag. bag. The bag. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, yeah. I, look, they made a conscious decision uh, to to kind of push their chips on the table and, and go all in on this season. And I, I believe, gosh, I forgot it's so long ago. It wasn't that the theme on the cover of our special section previewing the year. It was all in, right? Yes, all in. Everyone was all in. Push all the chips yeah. in. Yeah, that's that's what this team was. That's what they wanted to do. Now, I I believe here on this podcast, we talked about the fact that we didn't like that. I certainly didn't like that mentality. I thought they should have gone the other direction. I thought they should have tried to rebuild. Yeah, strip uh, it down acquire, and rebuild. Yeah, acquire some picks and, and play for, you know, 2023, 2024. But they looked at a, a team that had been to the playoffs last year, a team that you could add a couple of pieces to and maybe even be more successful. And that's the path they chose. So not necessarily too surprising that they didn't just completely change course and try to sell at the trade deadline. I, I think they also tried to look at acquiring guys. But how much of your future do you want to mortgage for a team that right now is two and five and the the playoff probability right now is 15%? Now that's not zero. It's it's fifteen. So there's a chance, and there's some things that could fall their way that could make that easier. <clears throat> but how much do you want a mortgage for a team that you know is mo- is most likely not going to go to the playoffs? You're not you're not going to acquire like nine guys that are going to bolster this roster and make them a different team. It'd be a piece here and there, and now you're giving up part of your future to probably not even make the playoffs anyway. So I mean, I would have looked at, at trying to maybe acquire picks to maybe be a seller to, you know, move on from a couple of guys that we don't, you know, if I'm the front office that we don't think are going to be around for very long after the season, especially, you know, you've already made your, your choices on a guy like Jonathan Abram, Cleef Earl for not giving them a fifth year option. And Cleef Earl has been playing at a pretty good level. Maybe he could have fetched a pick. I would have absolutely considered trading Josh Jacobs at the trade deadline. Um, you didn't give him a fifth year option. You're probably not going to sign him long-term because it'd be a, a massive deal and they don't do that with running backs. You know, are you going to franchise tag him? I doubt it. So most likely he's playing his way to a massive contract and playing his way out of Las Vegas because he's been so good. So 
why not see what's what's you know what's out there for him now it sounds like if you take Dave Ziegler at his word and I generally do that you know they tried to both trade away players and trade for players and they would have gone with you know if they found there was good value either way either you know trading away or trading in they would have made those picks or they would have made those deals and then they decided that they didn't find the value either for a player or a pick that they liked and so they just kind of stood pat at the trade deadline so if that's the case if they didn't like the value that's that's fine i i wouldn't i wouldn't make a deal just to make a deal either uh but you know, if they made it, if they, I don't know what their decision process was. I don't know if they were more interested in selling or buying, but uh, to me, I would have at least thought about selling a little bit uh, just to uh, acquire some picks and get started on the future. And where you thought, listen, look, this is a team that if the season ended today, would be picking number six in the draft. Like this is a team that could potentially have some very there's valuable gonna, there's draft gonna be picks. Quarterbacks there, Adam, there's going to be quarterbacks at number six. There is. And Derek Carr has a one-year deal as we've talked about. I mean, it's, it, it, it's a three-year extension and everybody kind of, you know, sold it that way, but they can get out after one year or they can extend him three days after the Super Bowl. Uh, they can pick up the option and then trade him. I mean, that that's a possibility as well. So they could move on from this deal, from, from this quarterback if they want to, and there's going to be quarterbacks available. And trust me, if they're picking in the top six, they're probably going to be looking at taking one of those quarterbacks. Because if you have a season that goes that south, uh, that that's probably an indication it's time to kind of move on and start thinking about the future and, and rebuilding. So um, I, I, I think there's a lot of interesting decisions to be made over the next two months. And at what point, if say you do lose at Jacksonville, at what point do you start thinking that losses are good and that, you know, playing for a draft pick is good. Like, I don't think they're at that point now, but at some point you're going to have to start thinking about that. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, you, you've got to start looking if he's being honest with his with his you know comments about looking to the future and it being long term, this this season goes south and it's already a little south already. You've got to start thinking about your draft position, especially and if if the car is in play here, they say. I mean, I you you're going to cover the draft for us, but supposedly there's more quarterback prospects than there's been in a long long time. So I think you know you got to do your due diligence on each of those guys, and if there's a guy out there you think you could bring him and make him your guy for the future. I mean, I, I, I know Derek, you know, he's been there nine years, only two playoff appearances. One, he, you know, he hurt himself, so he couldn't play in the one game. It's not his fault. He was hurt. And then we saw what happened last year. So, I mean, I just, I think you're right in terms of if they, if they lose many more games, the mindset has to real, whether it's about the future now or not, I really think it's about the future. A couple of losses from now. Yeah. And then, I mean, look, this is, it, it's, it's, you know, hurts to say, to say this, to hear this, I think for a lot of people, but this week could determine a lot in terms of the draft. I mean, these are two teams that are right in the same situation right now. The Jaguars would pick fourth, the Raiders would pick sixth. The loser could have a leg up on who picks, you know, sooner. So, um, you know, I, I feel like if, if they lose this week against the Jaguars, it is time to start thinking in that direction. Uh, it almost certainly is time to start thinking in that direction. And, you know, I know that that's not the expectation that people had and the thought that people had, but the reality of the situation is they played themselves into this position. Well, we'll see how they do at Jacksonville. They can't have another performance like last week. They can still lose the game uh, because you can always lose a game, especially on the road. But um, if there's another performance like last week, there's, there's gotta be some serious inner, inner lookings at things and, and, and what the heck's going on there. So we'll have to see how they play. Uh, you mentioned Dahmer. Are you, are you deep into it or how many episodes? No, nah, just, I'm just starting it. Just getting into it. 
it's uh, like I said, I only had time for so much horror this week. So the, uh, yeah. the saints game film was, was most of that, <laughs> most of that allotment. Did you, did you ever hear or watch of the watcher? No. Okay. That's a Netflix thing. I think you should be after Dahmer. It's your next thing. It's the watcher called the watcher. Okay. The, it's uh it's, it's, it's pretty good. It's about eight, nine episodes. I won't give away the plot, but I think you'd like it. Little drama, not like Dahmer. I mean, you know, there's, there is some, there's some uh, crazy stuff to it, but Dahmer took took the uh, he took the bit there in terms of uh, the insanity and what he came with. Oh no, Larry, the Watcher was horrible. Oh boy. Oh boy. Absolutely. Okay, I'll only I'm gonna agree with you on the ending, and we can't give too much away. But I thought the ending was terrible. Bonnie and I were very disappointed. The ending was one of the dumbest things I've ever seen in my life. So there you have it. Oh, Watch boy. the Watcher on, <laughs> on Netflix. This- this podcast brought to you by the Watcher. The Watcher. This podcast brought to you by the Watcher. <laughs> Liquid Death. Liquid Death is so good that even the Watcher becomes palatable if you're if you're enjoying a Liquid Death while you're watching it. Yeah, yeah, up until the end. Then then you need a lot of Liquid Death at the end there to get okay. through the end. Um, what can people uh, see from you in the newspaper? I know um, not only do you do the Raiders, you're doing a little college football. Yeah, covering UNOV San Diego State this weekend, checking out the new stadium right on the site of uh, a place where the Raiders played a lot of games down at Qualcomm. They rebuilt it, put up a Snapdragon Stadium, and I'll be checking that out, uh, as well as the uh, the advance on those first down, the, the, the debacle that was first down for the Raiders offense, kind of getting in, into the numbers a little bit, checking out what they tried to do with some of those first down plays and maybe why it just went so poorly. Uh, on early downs down in New Orleans. All right, great stuff there. Uh, safe trip to San Diego. We'll be reading your stuff from the UNLV game. Doug Brumfield, the quarterback, is back for the Rebels. So let's we'll see what they can do against, yes, it's the alma mater, so I have to say my Aztecs. That's going to do it for our latest edition of Unsportsmanlike Conduct of the Vegas Station, sponsored by Station Casinos, SD and Sports, and presented by the Las Vegas Review Journal, Blue Wire, and Liquid Death. Remember now, there are new episodes of Vegas Nation every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Subscribe to Vegas Nation on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any podcasting app. Find all that coverage and more at VegasNation.com. For our producer, Larry Meir, he says not to watch The Watcher. I say do. And my co-host, Adam Hill. I'm Ed Graney. We'll talk to you next week. Vegas, get in on the sports betting action and get on the SCN Sports app. With 14 convenient sign-up locations across town at Station Casinos, Wildfire, and El Cortez, you're only a few minutes away from getting started, no matter where you are in town. With a huge menu of betting options and points back on your bets, STN Sports is the strongest betting app out there. So sign up today for STN Sports.